I recognise this morning that we're walking on some holy ground this morning here. I believe God's going to do something quite miraculous this morning. Started already. It's not finished yet. So if you've got your Bibles, come with me to John chapter 8. Very well known passage of scripture. But we're going to have a look and see what God's got for us. John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he came again unto the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Just like being in church. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses, in the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This, they said, testing him, that they might have something on which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, they're not going to back off. They're not going to back off. They're out to trap him. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He is with who is without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted in their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman, with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said to him, No one, Lord. And he said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Well-known passage of scripture. I want to talk about something so precious this morning. And the title, my title is, What is it? What is it? And I want to tell you it's called Grace. It's called grace. Grace is amazing. Absolutely amazing. But there's a flaw very often in our thinking about grace. God's grace to us. God's favour to us. Who should not expect anything from him. Do you realise when God manifests himself to you in everything we've sung about this morning, healing, uh, meeting your need, whatever, whatever it might be, giving you a future, comforting you, whatever it is, that's his grace in operation. You do realise that, don't you? We call it, may call it a miracle, we may call it his faith, but actually it's God's grace being manifested, shown to you. And that's ongoing. This room is filled with people who in the natural, without Jesus, we don't qualify for God's grace. We're just a messed up group of people. Without Jesus, we're messed up. You can't point a finger at me and I can't point a finger at you. Give us a ring sometime. I will. I will. I will. We're all messed up. But Jesus stepped in. Oh, yes, he did. Yes. yes, he did. Thank God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. There's another part to God's grace. There are two parts. The part where he bestows upon us his goodness, his mercy, his favor, his love. But there's another part. 
And this is the part very often that's missing. God expects that... Oh, you found it. Someone, where'd you find it to? In the toilet. Oh, sorry, sister. What are you saying sorry for? Pardon? Nothing to say sorry for. It's found. I know a story in the Bible about a ring that was lost and got found. Amen. The second part of God's grace, the flip side of God's grace is this. The grace that God has bestowed upon me in any given situation in my life, at any time in my life, he expects me to give out that grace to others. Grace is a twofold thing. It's given that we might not just hold on to it, but give it away. Demonstrate it. This world doesn't understand the grace of God. It doesn't. You see, our struggle very often is to give grace to other people. We feel that they're not worthy of it. They've had enough chances. I'm just had enough of them. I know God graces me, but I've had enough of them. It's time they paid for their sin. It's not right. It's not right. God still graces me when I still mess up. And he says, take that grace that I've given you, Rob. Take my favor, take my love upon your life and give it away. Demonstrate it. But you don't know all about him, Lord. You said, but I know all about you. That's right, you do. Yeah. And I do know all about him. Yeah, true, sir. If we're going to be of any effect in this world for Jesus, we've just got to learn to live our lives in this dual nature of receiving grace and giving grace away. You don't have a choice. I want to tell you, this is, this is tough stuff this morning. It's tough stuff. I like to select my friends. That's why I've only probably, I don't know if I got any. <laughs> See, you don't come up to my standard. Well, who do you think you are? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. When we raise our own standard, if people don't come up to my standard, I'm going to have nothing to do with them. Well, actually, God said, you try to raise yourself up to my standard. Yeah. 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 But I still love you. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Receive and give. That's the call of grace. Freely you've received. Freely we're still receiving. Yes, sir. So freely we've got to give away. Amen. We've got to see other people greater than ourselves. Yes, yeah, but I don't like them. And God says, I'm not asking you to like them, I'm asking you to love them. That's right. But I can't do that. And God says, no, you can't. Without my grace, you can't do that. So you need more of my grace. Stick in there, it's coming. Now, this woman is a demonstration of the immense grace of God. She's caught in the act of adultery. That means she's got a husband, and the man has got a wife. And they're caught in the very act. Okay? Now, the woman is brought to the temple where Jesus is teaching. And they interrupt him. Now, 
Jesus doesn't mind being interrupted. In fact, he loves it. But watch what he does and watch what he says. You know, I was in, in a meeting the other couple of Saturdays ago and the one big thing I got out of that, that meeting, it was an Irish um, minister, he was preaching f- fabulous what he was bringing out, absolutely brilliant. But he said this one thing that really impacted me and it was this. Every sermon that you hear preached God holds you accountable to. Not to condemn you, but to do something with it. Every sermon you hear preached, God says, I'm holding you accountable. What are you going to do with it? And you can reject it, or you can say that's truth. And I'll try, by the grace of God, to outwork that. So, the leaders come. Now, in this life, you're always going to have people that are going to accuse you. They can be religious people, they can be non-religious people, it doesn't matter. You can get up in the morning and it looks like a good day, the sun's shining and someone's going to say something to you that peeves you. Yeah. They did it to Jesus. He said, Jesus said, they'll do it to you. Yeah. Not everybody understands you. That's Only true. God. That's true. Only God. That's true. So, they demand of Jesus that he acts according to the law. And according to the law, well, if, if let's just not rush this. If Jesus doesn't act, according to Moses' law, they can accuse him of blasphemy. So they're setting out to trap him. And he's, he's on, on, I was going to say, on, he's not on dangerous ground. He knows exactly where he's going. Yeah. But they're being devious. They have no interest in this woman. She's a byproduct that's being used. And that's the way of the world. The world will pick you up and spit you out when it's convenient. So, if he goes against the religious leaders, he's going against the word of God and they can stone him for blasphemy. But... If he did what they're asking him to do, to stone her because she's committed adultery, the Romans can put him to death because only Romans can fulfill that law. They changed the law. Only Romans, the Roman institution which was governing the land at that that moment of time, could put people to death. The Jews did not have the power to do it. They took that power away from the Jews. So if he says she's got to be stoned, they're going to give him the first stone. And if he were to throw it, he could have been put to death by the Romans for breaking their law. So he's... They think he's trapped over here by the law of Moses and he's trapped over here by the Roman law. What's he going to do? We got him. It's a bit like being between your wife and your mother-in-law. <laughs> Andy, your face says it all. But it's interesting. Let me bring you, bring you back to the... Let me stick that in there. Bring you back to what actually they were saying. They themselves, in saying to Jesus what they did, were breaking the law of Moses. This is what the law says. Okay? 
The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Both parties. But they didn't quote the man. Be careful when you listen to accusations because it will never contain the whole truth. That is true. Where's the man? Under the law of Moses, he too would be stoned. But the scribes and the Pharisees don't bring the man. Well, first point. She was caught in the act, but where was the man? His reply. His reply is in verse 7. He is without sin among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. Now, What he's saying is, if you've got no sin in your life, you throw the stone. The scribes and the Pharisees are thinking, we've never committed adultery, so her sin is greater than any sin we may have. But isn't that sometimes how we live our lives? Isn't that sometimes how we judge other people? But there isn't a person in this room that would want their secret sin exposed. Think about it. Only God knows. And by his grace... He doesn't reveal it. He forgives it. His reply is based in Deuteronomy. And I'll read it to you. This is what the law says. Whoever is worthy of death shall be put to death on the testimony of two or three witnesses he, but he shall not be put to, ta- to death on the testimony of one witness he looks up and he says to the, the woman where are your accusers where are they they've evaporated They've evaporated. So, where are the witnesses that accuse you? There aren't any. You can't be convicted then on the testimony of only one witness. But you don't have any witnesses, they've gone. Here now, what we see is God moving in grace. He's starting to move in grace. He knew she committed adultery. He knew that. He wasn't denying that. He wasn't pushing it underneath. He wasn't trying to lessen the position. You cannot convict. So, he starts to have compassion on her. You see, grace brings compassion. Or it's designed to, or it should bring compassion. Without compromise. This is where the extreme, extreme teaching on grace goes wrong. That You can't have grace if you keep sinning. I want to tell you something. 
you get more grace. But it doesn't condone the sin. That's right. It's not lessening. They say it becomes cheap grace. You can go and do what you want and then ask God to, to you say sorry to God afterwards, repent, and then you can go and do it again. No, that's not. No. That's not forgiveness. No. That's not grace. Now, as we'll find out in a minute. What intrigues me about this story isn't what Jesus said, which was very few words. It's what he didn't say. Or what he could have said. Or what would we have said? In condemner. She's condemned already. She's been found out. She's got a face. She's got a face going back into the community after. But she doesn't go back as she came out. She goes back different. See, grace empowers you to take the abuse to take the lies, to take the accusations, it empowers you to live your life and give you a future in spite of. She's going to go back into that community and the whole of that village, the whole of that town, wherever it was, or the size of the place, they're going to know about her. But grace lifts your head. It says it doesn't matter what other people think That's about right. you. It's what ma- matters is what God says Amen. about you. He's the lifter of my head. Amen. You might be embarrassed by some of your family. You might be. But grace says, I lift your head. And whatever your family has done, grace is greater. Yeah, there's pain. This is one of the, I think this is one of the toughest scriptures in the whole of the Bible. How he deals with this woman. And then he says to us, do the same. We just like to mix within a certain circle of people that we're comfortable with. A certain group of people who maybe think the same way we do. Oh, a click. (laughs) (laughs) The same group of people who... are almost as good as I am. They want to blow their nose, don't they? And realise who they are. That's how we live our lives. And we, we wouldn't say if you questioned us, we've written that person off. But we don't contact them. We don't get into conversation with them. Yeah, but Rob, you don't know what they've done to me. I'll get over it. That's what I would say. What I do know, which is greater, is what God has done yes, for me. Amen. Every time. It's greater than what anybody else has done to me. Yeah, true. Now they may not receive you. That's not your problem. It's not your problem. They may not listen to me. It's not your problem. Your problem is to resolve what's in your heart first. And let the love and the grace of God do its work in you first. 
Very often that's what the pause is. You see, God has to deal with us first before we can move from the pause, the comma, into the rest of our lives. Because if we didn't, we're going to mess up again. We're going to mess up again. What Jesus wants for this woman is to give her her future. Give her back her life. That's his goal. He sees her as precious. He sees you and me as the apple of his eye. He, He just sees you so much. He loves you so much. He says, when you hurt, Jesus says, I hurt. When they come against you, when they accuse you, they're accusing me again. When they put you down, they're putting me down again. But you see, in his compassion... And his grace. He also wants the scribes and the Pharisees to change. When you read this, you, you, they're all, well, they, they become his enemies. But he says, love your enemies. He loves them enough to speak into them to try and bring change. We forget that sometimes when you read this passage of scriptures. We just major on the woman. No, it's the scribes and Pharisees he's trying to reach. And then by grace he deals with, because he's the only one left there. Are you a scribe and a Pharisee this morning? Is there someone in your life that you've fallen out with? You've written them off? You don't know the circumstances. No, I I don't know the circumstances. It's not what I'm saying. If we're going to be Christians, we've got to react the same way Christ reacted. Well, I can't do that. I fell out with them 20 years ago. And if I was to turn up at their doorstep, I don't know how they react. I would say, do you go to the doorstep? Tough as it is. Be the Christian Christ has called you to be. Be that Christian. Take the grace that God has graced you with and go again. It's tough. And there'll be tears. And you might get the door slammed in your face. It doesn't matter. You can't ignore God's grace in your own life. You can't just be receiving things from God and doing nothing with it. I tell you, this, this, this is tough scripture. It's tough stuff. We're accountable for what we hear. But showing compassion doesn't mean is not approving of sin. Step two. Communicate without compromise. Don't go to the person and stand there and say, but you said. No. No. 
don't go thinking they're going to reject me. No. Go with a heart condition. Let God touch your heart first. I know, I, I know in, the, in the church that I think in every church, sadly, there are incomplete families where there's been a fallout. In some cases, that's never been repaired. I, I, I knew a certain church years and years ago, and I was, used to go there occasionally, just sit in, the, you know, sit in the seat and what have you. And there'd be two brothers. And they hadn't spoken to each other for 30 years. Now, what's going on here? It's sad. It's wrong. It's wrong. Well, they've got to make the first move. No, 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 no. Let me give you the process. I don't like it. I don't like the process. The process is this. If your brother or your sister has offended you, you've got to go to them. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for them. No, they've got to come to me. They've got to come and say sorry. I'm not moving off this. No, no, no. They've offended really. No, no. They've got to come and say sorry. You don't know, Rob, what they said. You don't know what they did. The Bible says that you've got to make the first move. <coughs> hate it. My flesh hates it. But it's called grace. It's called grace. Why, why do we need to do that? Because it stops the root of bitterness welling up inside here. It just stops it. They may not receive you, but they just might. They just might be the right time in God for them to invite you in again. What if Jesus had rejected this woman? Did he reject you? No. You were just as messed up as she was. Without Jesus, without accepting me as your Lord and Savior, you're no different to this woman, true. male or female here this morning. Absolutely true. But it's the grace of God. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you, Lord. It's amazing. It's a song, amazing grace. It is amazing. The grace of God is just amazing. Getting what we don't deserve. It's amazing. What he's saying to her, not in words, but in deeds, he's saying, I know you messed up. I know you messed up. And I know you're suffering. You're going to live with the embarrassment of being dragged through this town semi-naked for the rest of your life. But I love you. I can't condemn you, he said, because the law won't allow me to. I'll use the law the same way as your scribes and Pharisees tried to use it, and they were wrong. <coughs> But I'll use the law in the right way. I can't condemn you because no one is accusing you. Now, isn't that, think about it, just think about that for a little minute. He's God manifested in the flesh. He knows everything. He knows she'd been committing adultery. And he says, I don't condemn you. Wow. Grace. Grace. 
Now take that grace and if you were to picture right now, and I'll probably ask you to do this right is there someone that you know of and their face that comes into your mind apply the same grace to them even though they could be wrong and still doing wrong it's tough it's tough Jesus makes it very clear that we're not to condemn. We're not to condemn. Well, we wouldn't use that word. We would use words like, I don't like them anymore. I don't want to be with them anymore. They can stay over there. Don't forget they interrupted Jesus. He was busy teaching. I believe this morning Jesus wants to interrupt your life. In fact, I'm convinced of it. And my life. And he says, I want you to experience my grace. Before you can give it away, you've got to experience it. I'm aware this morning, everything I've said so far, if you don't experience the grace of God, this can seem quite hard. And that's not my intention. My intention this morning is that you might know the grace of God in your own life that he's forgiven you totally and me. And there isn't a day goes by where I don't need his grace. You know, I used to sit in congregations and think it's all right for them. They're not going through what I'm going through. In fact, I had a bad spell of that when my son died. Sit in church. They got no idea what I'm going through. Kind words, but no idea. They don't understand. And people say, whatever oh, society you use, Rob, you know, because he's gone to be with Jesus. Yeah, he's gone to be with Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. And they're embarrassed because they don't know what to say beyond that. And they're trying to be loving and they're trying to be kind. But I'm thinking, I don't want your words. I'm hurting. I'm devastated. I can't see a future. And we already have one daughter. She's lovely, Joanne, then. Had a loving wife. So got a loving wife. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, you've got to say that for goodness sake. If you want your dinner, you better say it for <laughs> But I'm hurting. I'm hurting. And Wendy tried to reach into me and I rejected some of that. I'm hurting. This son of mine was all he ever wanted. And I'd lived in a church and parents were Christians where they prayed for people and saw miracles and saw people healed. And my son died. And people had prayed for him. In fact, one minister travelled, they took my son to Bristol Children's Hospital. And one minister travelled all the way to Bristol prayed over him. And this minister had seen miracles. Absolute miracles in his ministry. And my son died. I'm hurting. 
But God knew my heart. Well, where are you, God? God said, I'm right where I was before. I haven't moved. I'm coming for you. Your life's on pause. My life was on pause. Totally on pause. God says, I'm coming. I haven't forgotten you. Yeah, but you don't understand, God. I'm hurting. He said, Rob, you don't understand. I'm hurting just as much. Because that's what the scripture says. When we hurt, he hurts. Still. And at one particular moment, I'm trying to go into it, but heaven opened up and God met me. In a room, it was in a conference, in a room of 5,000 people, God reached from heaven right down and touched a hurting boy. Yet there were 5,000 other people there. Such is the grace of God. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. And then we had Sarah. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, lovely. Bless her, Lord. Bless her, Lord. Lovely lady. Lovely lady. Yeah. Looks after her dog as well. That's what and then I'm in someone's front room <clears throat> repairing their gas fire, which is what I used to do back then. And the woman sat in the room behind me, the owner of the house, who happened to know a little bit about. And God spoke to me. And he said, do you want a son? But you've got to answer me verbally. I'm kneeling down repairing this gas fire and God says, now you speak to me verbally, not with the thinking. And I'm aware that this woman has sat just a few feet away from me. I'm doing gymnastics up here. And I knew... God was going to take me at my word. Whatever first came out of here, he was going to take as an answer. And I was sweat coming down. I can remember sweat. It wasn't hot in the room. It was now. I said, yes, God. She said, what did you say? I said, I'm just having a conversation. Now, I've got to go home and tell my wife. Who'll probably think I'm off the wall. (laughs) Because we knew the sickness that took my son, first son out, only happens to male babies. I've got to put her through something and trust the grace of God will reach into her heart so that this can come to birth. You see, it's never easy. Life is never easy. But you've got to trust the grace of God. I kept out of arm's reach when I told her. <laughs> and I had to give her time to think it over. Didn't demand an answer. Couldn't demand an answer. She's got to find God's grace for herself. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, bless her off. Bless her cops <laughs> Bless her 
point I'm trying to make is not to get you to feel sorry for me. Because I've got nothing to feel sorry for now. God's grace is amazing. But when your life is in the Paul's face, with a comma, in that phase, you can do one or two things. You can believe God or you can get bitter. That's true. And bitter leads to emptiness. And emptiness, that situation, bitterness and emptiness will lead you to make wrong decisions. Because the enemy lays a trap. He tries to multiply your loneliness. He tries to multiply your helplessness. He tries to get you into depression so that you don't believe there's a future. But God's grace is waiting to step into your life and say, I know you're hurting because I'm feeling it too. But I've come to give you a future and to lift you up And in lifting you up, you're going to start telling other people about my grace. Because I want to reach them as well. The purpose of grace is not just for you. It's for other people. And he gives the power and the anointing to be able to go and put things right or to step out to put things right. Then he tells her what to do next. He says, I don't condemn you because there's no accusers. So he sets her free. And then he tells her what to do next. He says, go and change your lifestyle. Go and sin no more. Go and change your lifestyle. Go and make the right decision. And I will empower you. Because I want you to have a future, God says. In spite of all the pain you're feeling at the moment. What I'm t- telling you this morning isn't a theory. I've been there. Yeah, so have I. Yeah, so I've been I. there. Yeah. And it hurts. Yeah. It's horrible. And you look around at everybody else and think it's okay for them. They got their family, they got this, they got that. And all that seems to be stripped away from me. But what have I got? Well, I'll tell you what I've got is Jesus. And I praise God I have. I've got Jesus. The same way God has graced you, you have to grace other people. It's not an option. And you think you can't do it, and God, will you anoint me, empower me to be able to go? And you go in weakness, trembling. That's not the issue. The issue is you're going. And God says, I'll take care of the rest. I don't like this kind of teaching. I don't. 
because it makes me take stock of my life. I just want to be happy. And mix with people that I can mix with. And God says, yeah, that's okay. But you can't ignore the others. You can't. You mustn't. Because I love them too. Yeah. I love them. It's called tough love. I'm not going to ask for a prayer line this morning. I'm just going to finish with that comment now. You now have to do something with what you've heard. Reject it or acknowledge that it's true, what you've heard. But you can't ignore it. I can't ignore it. God has graced my life so many times I cannot ignore his grace. I'm not going to ask you what you're going to do. It's none of my business. But I just know there's some people here who might want to respond if you do if you want to come out come out I'm not asking you to come out but come out and Dan will pray with you if that's you this morning please do that respond if that's you this morning on the TV screen on the video screen or whatever it's called YouTube or whatever I don't know if that's you this morning you have to do something because this is authentic Christianity. This is the real thing. This is where the rubber heads the road. It's how God's kingdom grows. By loving one another. As Christ has loved you. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your love. Everyone gathered here and on the TV screen, I thank you, Lord, that your grace is sufficient for their, their lives. It's made perfect in their weakness, in our weakness. Perfect grace. Father, will you empower us in the areas where we need help? Will you grace us, Lord, that we might go in your name? Amen? Amen. Give the person next to you a hug.